We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Rudder Gunners? Dean here. It's Dean 7904. Welcoming you back to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show. It's week nine. Usual suspects are back at it. Uh, Stuart Gibson, Brandon Adams. Stuart, week nine, we made it. This is the time I think we kind of say we go, hey, time's flying. Week nine is about the time you say, you know what? How did we get here so fast? And like, and then we start doing that. Oh, it's week 13. Can you believe it? Well, we're at the, the halfway post. Or I guess we're a little bit past it. If you want to get all technical with the math. Um, Stuart? How we uh, how we doing as far as week eight? We take take a peek back, of course. And yeah, then we dude. Take a look at uh, week nine in a second. We'll give a bunch of picks. Obviously, show off the uh, the ASA app as well. But uh, let's take a gander as far as week eight. We talked about it briefly before the show, but it sounds like you had a pretty good week. Yeah, yeah, been been doing well the past couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, I kind of think we're getting to that point where uh, the data points that we've been seeing uh, unfold over the course of the season, we can start to kind of trust what we're seeing, um, you know, if we've been paying attention and uh, being diligent about reviewing uh, games on a week to week basis and really looking back, I think, you know, we're going to start to, uh, that's going to pay off. And uh, I think we're going to be able to really trust what we've been seeing uh, so far. And it's going to give us an edge uh, moving forward. It's always the tricky part of football. Like once you get the big enough sample size, okay, the season's about to end. So it's kind of the delicate balance of that. Uh, bringing in Brandon Adams, of course, as well. Brandon, how was uh, how was week eight for you? Week eight was a very light week for me. Um, I had some conflicts. I played very little. Um, had some run good on Sunday night. Decided to gamble it up. Played the show, showdown slate. Got there. So. 
I'm uh, going to invite Stuart down to Miami. We're going to party during the DraftKings championship. <laughs> oh, nice. So, we so, talked about it. Allow me two guests. It'll be, it'll be Dean, you, and Stuart. Dude, I'm in, man. Let's go. All right. Are you seriously in? <laughs> Stuart, Stuart can be a little bit of a homebody, so he might he might uh, turn down the invitation. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I'm actually in like my childhood home. I came back to Houston to watch the World Series uh, with some family and friends. So uh, yeah, I'm back in Houston recording like in my uh, my parents' office in my like house uh, growing up. <laughs> Truly a homebody uh, this week. So, Dean, sure. you can tell them how, you can tell them how terrible it is at the fantasy championships. <laughs> hey, I, I got a I have family a family down there. I have a couch to crash on for sure. And what is it, is that the DK championships that are going to be Miami this year? Or was he with Miami? Yeah. Okay. Nice. And by okay. the way, since we both uh, have the Miami connection, we need to talk about one thing that I think is actually central to this slate. Yes. <laughs> Is Miami uh, – How are they really trying to lose? I find it hard to believe, but I watched the game, and I was also watching the betting prices. I wasn't betting, but I was just – I just sort of had that Betfair screen up there, and I was just sort of watching everything. And it was remarkable that they were never even close to being a favorite in that game. They had, they had uh, two touchdowns. A lot of clock gone and possession, and they weren't even close to being a favorite in that game. The betting markets were wise to it, and then you watch the game play out, and it really did look like they were trying to lose. I don't know. Like, are we? How do we? How do we see this Miami team right now? Well, uh, here's what I would say. I would say management probably is want to win. But the players out there, they're not guaranteed beyond this year. Most of those players, they want to put good stuff on tape. So they're trying. But the, they're also not that talented. And the coaches probably quite possibly are not putting them in the best position to shine on tape. <laughs> That's sort of my take. Like, ideally, they want to, if they were going to lose a game, or they were, if they were going to win a game, they'd want to be Pittsburgh, right? Because they have Pittsburgh's draft pick. So they can somehow middle it and maybe get the number one pick and the number five pick if things kind of work out for them. If you want to play the whole conspiracy theory out. But uh I mean, I don't think the players are out there actively trying to tank. And also the coaching staff's not guaranteed next year, right? Like, but management's probably telling them to do certain things as well, too. And in theory, they're going to be around longer, but who knows? Uh, I, you know what I thought you were going to go with? I thought you were going to ask me about the Jets playing the Dolphins. And I, I said in a previous podcast, not a very fun game to watch. The most interesting thing about the Jets and Dolphins this week, Brandon, uh, watching the crowd. Well, what, what do you have? What's the, uh, what does Vegas have as far as number of fights in the crowd as far as Jets-Dolphins? Because historically, that's basically the most interesting part of that game. I, I didn't know that. I didn't have that history. Yeah. A lot of really New Yorkers down in Miami. history of Jets, Dolphins, fights? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the crowds? Hmm. Well, yeah. I'm surprised. Interesting. I don't know how that affects things for DFS. Probably none. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's not the game to take the kids to. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. So get a, get a suite or something like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> get, the, get the luxury box suites. Uh, <laughs> don't, just, uh, don't, don't get the nosebleeders. I, I wouldn't. Uh, you it. probably – there's plenty of room to sprawl out, I would imagine, for, for Jets – well, I probably a lot of the New Yorkers actually bought their tickets in the beginning of the season when there's still some promise there, I suppose. It is um, amazing going to the Miami airport. A lot of people uh, from all teams fly in for the day, go to the game, and then fly out at night. Like, if you go to the airport on a Sunday night, there are lots, hundreds and hundreds of people from the opposing team that just go in for the day and they're, like, really drunk in the security line, and, and that's, that's their plan. 
I don't. Stewart, you're still going to football games? Oh, is that a sore question because you're a St. No. Louis guy? Because now it's not an option really anymore. Or? No, I'm, I'm a Houston guy. I've never been to a football game. Um, just baseball and basketball were the sports I followed most closely growing up. Uh, did some college stuff, uh, some college football games, but uh, yeah, never been to a pro game. Uh, I don't know, man. Comfort of couch, uh, home body lifestyle, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, it's you gotta. It, that's the same way I'm at. As far as the NFL gamers, college is a little more fun, more more fun atmosphere. I I like the pageantry, but uh, you know, like, like we were talking about, like, give me the sweet life, and all of a sudden I'm interested, Brandon, but. I don't know. Like, I, I want to be able to be comfortable on my couch, just like uh, just like Stewart is, especially if it's Dolphins, Jets, or an island game. Maybe we can talk, but if it's like seven hundred games going on and like I have no, I have no red zone, I feel like I'm missing out. Well, that's just me, I suppose. <laughs> All right, I, I hear you. I hear you. Our minds have changed, right? Like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an ADD world. It's it's better on the couch with the computer. I suppose that's what's going on. Um, so, Brandon, I was talking to Stuart before the show as far as week nine. And we'll give our picks in a second, obviously. We're going to show off the uh, the app at ASA that's going to probably help. I'm looking for some help here, Brandon, because this slate, it's a short slate because there's a, you know, we're looking at a, a London game. So, uh, who's playing at London? Uh, Houston and Jacksonville playing Sunday early. So, obviously, not going to be in the main slate. Uh, a 10-gamer, you know, the Money Night at Red Dallas and the Giants, not in the main slate. New England and Baltimore, not in the main slate as well. And, you know, we got Tampa and Seattle, Detroit, and Oakland is like the premier games, I suppose. We're not sure if Mahomes is going to play just yet. We're recording this uh, Halloween night, actually. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. Uh, Brandon, are you – I mean, and there's like not a ton of value out there as far as this slate, just like building lineups, like just kind of messing around. Like, I don't know. Either you have really low expectations. I feel like you should not like your lineups right now. Maybe that's just me. I don't like my lineups when I'm coming up with. Well, you have that that cash game mentality, Dean, which is a handicap. <laughs> you like uh, you like certainty at each position. Uh, it's not the sl- it's not the slate for that, but I see it as a good tournament slate. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to stay tuned to the rest of the show because I want to hear I want to hear some good tournament picks for sure. But uh, Stuart, are you with me on that one, or you, you guys are both kind of that from that tournament perspective where you kind of like the. Uh, I, uncertainty, I, I suppose. I, I do mostly cash. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of seeing my way to a lineup that I feel good about. Um, and, you know, we'll get to that in the picks. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, if, if it's a lineup where there's not easily kind of a spottable value, like everyone else is going through that, uh, you know, struggle as well. And uh, I don't know. I think I've done reasonably well in you know, previous slates where there isn't the obvious value plays that open up. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how uh, – you know, how, how news kind of breaks and I'm, I'm sure there'll be some some plays that become you know immediately the uh obvious uh, you might have to work for some of the other ones but um should we be able to get there and find uh find a lineup that i like all right so we're gonna do a little screen share uh Stuart. you're gonna show uh one of the ways to help uh, you know identify that the solid picks this week uh through your app through asa's app uh, the defense versus position app and uh, feel free to take that away and, you know, talk to people through what you're doing there. Yeah, sure. So this week we've, uh, or actually I guess in the last two weeks, we've rolled out this one new application, our DVP app. Um, and then we have another one that's about ready. We're kind of working to publish this site. It's just like a correlation app, but um, yeah, I don't know. D- DVP is, uh, I think some people are into it, some not. Um, I think, you, look, you'd be foolish not to at least consider kind of who different players are playing and how those teams have performed in the past. Um, so 
we put together, uh, or I put together this DVP app that allows uh, users to, you know, access a couple different uh, cuts of data such that they can understand what teams are, uh, what defenses are allowing kind of fantasy goodness where, um, you know, and how, how they're doing it. So a couple like, I guess, just features I want to point out is it is kind of a, you can, you can specify the date range you want to look at, um, you know, so it's defaulted to just show 2019. If you have a defense that's kind of stayed in the same form uh, dating back to last year, you can, uh, you know, put, push your date back and kind of choose like long for, uh, you know, the long, long stats, uh, which, you know, give you kind of more stability, but obviously there's some, uh, <clears throat> you know, risk there if defenses have shuffled around a lot in the last year. Um, and you can also choose positions you want to look at. So we're mostly looking uh, there's no DS kind of, I guess, OVP, you know, no uh, defense versus DST, but looking at QB running back wide receiver and you can, uh, you know, identify the columns that you want to look at and sort on in the app. So uh, one that I've been looking at uh, a lot is just uh, when selecting running backs, what teams are allowing kind of most fantasy points per rush attempt. Uh, We saw last week, Carolina uh, going into the weekend was allowing the most fantasy points per rush attempt uh, on season. And Tevin Coleman I mean, blew up against them and uh, uh, you know, you get to running backs. I think it's a, it's a, it's a spot I, I might want to look to attack um, with, you know, Tennessee's running back Derrick Henry. Um, and, you know, they're, they're pretty far ahead of the field. Uh, you can also look at uh, you know, market shares and how uh, different defenses are kind of allocating their market uh Market shares two different positions, so uh, sort, sorting on that, I didn't find maybe uh, – I know last year, like, Atlanta was just a massive funnel to targets to running backs. Kind of hasn't been the case as much this year, and let's see, I guess they're not on the main slate this week, uh, but it's, you know, useful for if you want to identify pass-catching running backs who might be in a good spot to just see a lot of targets uh, or tight ends who might might be seeing a lot of targets, uh, large market share there. Uh, you can sort on that and also look at fantasy points per target, uh, stuff like air yards market share, uh, fantasy points per air yard. Uh, quarterback stuff is interesting. Uh, it's a little different kind of column set, but we're looking at sack percentages that uh, different defenses, I guess, apply to quarterbacks, uh, complete or fantasy points per pass attempt, fantasy points per scramble. So I think we tweeted out from our account, like uh, I was a little bearish on Kyler today in showdown. I think I'm going to end up playing him anyways, but uh, just because the money's there, but uh, you know, San Francisco, uh, we got, uh, we're only looking at Sunday. So you can also filter on like what slate you're looking at, but San Francisco is just really stingy against the pass uh, per attempt. They're allowing the second fewest fantasy points behind only New England. And you know, a big part of Kylo's game is his uh, ability to scramble. And San Francisco is allowing the fewest fantasy points per scramble. So these are just examples of how you might attempt to use our DVP app. If, uh, if you're a subscriber to ASA, we had it free last weekend. It's now behind the paywall. But if you are a subscriber or think about being a subscriber, you know, this is one tool you have access to. And yeah, I guess just thinking about defenses, wanted to open up the conversation with you guys to understand, uh, maybe discuss just defenses that in general you're thinking to attack uh, moving forward or defenses that you want to attack specifically with a positional unit. Like I know early on in the season, I think people were really on to Arizona with tight ends. Uh, it's been kind of up and down over the last couple of weeks. 
Philadelphia with wide receivers. Uh, any other kind of defensive spots that when you guys see are really looking your chops and uh, eager to attack with a certain position? Brandon? Well, um, I think you've got some good GPP type spots this week. Um, I think Oakland, Detroit will be uh, a very, very positive game environment and a very popular game and an interesting tournament setup because there are a lot of ways you can go on each team. Um, So that seems pretty clear cut for me. I think – I think Jameis is viable. He's been uh, typical Jameis, like <laughs> highly volatile, lots of turnovers, um, but he has had some big slate-winning performances, and uh, I I think Seattle has been uh, giving up quite a lot, so I, I, I feel that's a good upside spot. Um <clears throat> Philly is just real by both the data and the eyeball test. So um, I think that's a good, a good tournament spot as well. And Trubisky has been a streaky quarterback and he has the right price point. Um, I believe he's won the millionaire maker three times. Uh, You wouldn't have guessed that just because he doesn't seem like that guy, but that price point is a is 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 really nice. Like if you have someone five thousand, you can save like almost two thousand off the top tier quarterbacks. Um, if there's a shot that they're a top three quarterback on the week, um, <clears throat> then you you want to fire it in in big field tournaments because that's um, that's going to earn you earn you quite a lot of upside at the other positions. So you mentioned the uh, how applicable is that as far as the defense first position because Brandon uh, you, DK uh, you know full point PPR Henry just does not catch the football uh, I suppose of course he can run for 120 yards and get in the box two times and who cares if he has zero catches uh, does that deter you from rostering him on DK is it, do you have any hard and set rules or will we do it because the Carolina defense is so vulnerable. Yeah, the price point is a sweet spot, especially since um, this is the first slate where they've really priced up aggressively, the most aggressive pricing on running backs. McCaffrey doesn't have much tournament interest for me at 10K. Dalvin Cook, I think, is in a great spot. I would prefer Dalvin Cook a lot over McCaffrey. Um, But... That price is tough. So in tournaments, yeah, I think um, I think Henry is in a good spot, and you you do need the touchdown. And if you have him in the Millionaire Maker, you need two touchdowns. Um, but I think I think it's a worthy play this week. Uh, Cook, would you prefer Mahomes in the game or not in the game? Um, I would prefer. Mahomes not in the game, although I don't have strong views there. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Like I, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on it. And last we saw, I think he wants to play, and the doctors having to give him an all clear again. It's a Thursday night; we don't know just yet. So just sort of that's uh, that's pending. That's sort of up in the air. I think Casey is that on the board right now in Vegas. I think I saw it at two, or is it a pick'em? What's the line of that game currently, or is it off the board? I'm making that up. It wasn't on the board yesterday. 
I haven't checked today. I think it's on. It's um, three. It, oh, okay. About three. All right. I don't know if that's a tell or anything. That's basically yeah, saying those teams are even. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing about, you know, just going back to this tool, like uh, KC running back wise, they're, they're pretty, uh, I guess, susceptible to being, you know, hit through the air uh, by running back. So I, I do think, you know, if, uh, if Mahomes does play, there is kind of this opportunity to, um, yeah, just force, I guess, Minnesota to a aggressive uh, offensive opinion. Dalvin Cook's a guy we know that uh, can get the can get the job done uh, both on the ground and as a pass catcher. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say which, which you prefer because, I mean, ahead it just gives him an opportunity to run the ball a bunch. But uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by kind of uh, his, his upside if he can really be a, a big factor in the pass game. Uh, should Mahomes play in case he really push, uh, push the tempo a little bit. Yeah, so before we fully dig in as far as our picks by position uh, on week nine, Stuart, you also want to show off, and this might lead to a conversation I wanted to have, and I'll just kind of put it in the back burner for now, the, the player-to-player correlation. Correlation is obviously very important. You know, uh, Stuart, like you could say, X is a good play, this guy's a good play, here's seven good plays, but uh, a lot of people don't realize lineup construction is one of the most important things, especially when it comes to tournaments, obviously. Uh, lineup construction correlation is very important as well, so – Show us how you would uh, use the correlation tool to help build lineups. Yeah, so this this app uh, just put together, I think, finished it up like last night, and it's not on the site yet. We're working with our uh, web designer to get it up on the site, but I think it'll be really useful, and we'll probably make it free this weekend for anyone that wants to use it. Um, at the moment, it's running a bit slow, so I'm going to try to work with the code a little bit and see if I can do uh, something that makes it run a little faster, but I think these correlation calculations are kind of computationally uh, not super efficient, but uh, yeah. So the premise is it's a, uh, you know, a, a input where you can select uh, kind of a, a left and right side set of players. And I think we'll start, um, you can select either a player by name. So like if you want to look at Houston's passing correlation between Watson and his receivers, you know, you could go Watson, you could, uh, you know, type in Deandre Hopkins by name or, uh, you know, you can select the whole uh, set, filter on date range. Right now, uh, we're, we're going to, I think, put in a couple correlation metrics, like see how players' market share uh, correlates between receivers. Uh, but right now, it's just fantasy points, I think, is the only one you can select. Um, yeah, and it'll just output a list of the players that you have, uh, kind of the left, left column, player one set, right column, player two. Uh, you can identify which players kind of correlate most strongly with a quarterback, uh, which is obviously important for for uh, team stacking, and you know one guy who's I think uh, been super popular to pair with Watson's Will Fuller. I think for like really good reason. I mean their correlations just show strong. Uh, you know the games that Fuller goes off, it's on these big downfield plays where uh, you know he he's kind of getting these big chunk plays that really help the quarterback as well. I think kind of. Of the and we see like Hopkins just not correlating quite as strong with Watson and I think like you have these receivers that correlate well with quarterbacks when they do gain fantasy points through big chunk play touchdowns like ways in which a receiver and quarterback might not correlate as strongly are where these receivers are getting kind of dink and dunk like low a dot receptions where they're able to accumulate points quite quickly through uh, the reception bonus but the quarterback's not really accumulating points that quickly because just the value of the passing yard isn't quite as strong as the value of a rushing or receiving yard. Um, 
And so that's, I think, kind of where positive correlate, you know, you can use the tool for positive correlation. Maybe, maybe you have like two quarterbacks that you're considering, uh, you know, two, two, uh, I guess, team stacks that you're considering and you want to identify uh, like which of, you know, Watson and his receivers versus, uh, let's see, Jameis and uh, Godwin and Evans, right? And you want to see like which, which stacks might offer kind of the best or strongest like correlation opportunities. I think this tool is, uh, uh, you know, could be quite useful uh, for doing that. And like I said, it runs a bit slow, um, but patient, uh, you know, so you can begin to kind of see how, uh, how maybe different team stacks might, might uh, compare in terms of their correlations. So it was interesting. I mean, Godwin's been awesome this year. Uh, he hasn't really correlated very strongly with Winston uh, Evans, kind of that downfield threat type receiver in, in kind of the same mold as Fuller, maybe a little bigger, not quite as fast, uh, you know, has just this really strong correlation with Winston. Uh, so that's, I think, a useful application in the positive correlation side. On And I think, uh, you know, negative correlation is just as important um, if you're either trying to construct a cash lineup where you want a negative correlation built in to raise your floor. Um, I think like one instance where I'm trying to use negative correlation is when we have an injured player and want to identify uh, who might be the primary beneficiary of that injury. I think with running back, like it's pretty straightforward, right? It's just like the next guy in line. But when you have some of these complex uh, receiver depth charts and, you know, you have a guy go down, it's sometimes not abundantly clear, like who the primary beneficiary is going to be um, as we wait for this to load. And I think identifying guys who negatively correlate is a really good opportunity to or a good approach to identifying maybe that injury beneficiary. Um, so we saw Will Fuller uh, down last week and I'm not sure what his status is for this week. Not on the main slate though. So I mean, of, of kind of less uh, relevance, but I, I think it was kind of a bit of an exercise to figure out, uh, you know, if the Will Fuller injury really stood to benefit uh, a Houston receiver in a big way, uh, and if that was a game you want to stack or, and if so, like, who who's going to be the primary beneficiary? Um, you know, and I, I uh, actually, my cash line went with both Hopkins and stills. I just felt like there was kind of a good negative correlation there. And when you could project fuller to be out, uh, you know, the idea with negative correlation is like when one does well, the other does poorly or when one does poorly, the other does well. And essentially an injury is just like a zero point game. I mean, it's just like a really bad game. So identifying guys who, are prone to excel in games in which Will Fuller does poorly, I think could be like synonymous with a guy who might succeed uh, in the absence of Will Fuller due to injury. So uh, yeah, that's how you can use the application. Um, again, you know, date filtration. So if you, uh, right now we're at a point now in 2019 where I think like we can look at the past eight weeks and feel fairly confident with what we've seen. But if you are looking for more, uh, you know, long data, you can also go back to like 2018 or even further. Uh, another feature to call is this drop in actives game. So the app defaults where if a player doesn't play, uh, they won't like count that as a zero for them. It'll just drop that uh, game from their data set, um, which I think like I, I prefer as the default just because uh, you're just likely to see like some kind of skewed data points when uh, you're counting a guy not playing as a true zero for that player. Uh, but if it is, if, you know, you're looking at a player who's just like often been injured, it, it could be, uh, you know, worthwhile to uncheck that 
have that player's injured game count as a true zero and kind of see how correlation plays out from there. So that's all I got. Um, I don't know if you guys kind of have any thoughts on, uh, you know, how, how you're, you're pl- you know, thinking to incorporate correlation into your lineup construction from a cash or GPP standpoint. But uh, yeah, I just want to show off that tool for you guys. Thoughts, Brandon? Well, uh, for me, correlation is the absolute central consideration in tournaments. And um, I think when, for, for me, like everyone in NBA, our, our correlation data historically has been probably the most valuable tool that you could possibly have for NBA tournaments. And we're the only people that really have good correlation data. Um, for NFL, it's, it's very valuable, uh, for tournaments, extremely valuable. The way to think about it is if you're winning, say the millionaire maker, where you're having to beat 250,000, 300,000 players, you have to hit, a, a parlay where you're hitting in every spot or, Maybe in a tournament week, you hit on every spot but one. It's much easier to hit that parlay if when one spot hits, it's very likely that another spot hits as well. And, and so your, your chance of, of having the winning tournament lineup, although it's a very simple point, it's much, much higher if you have a lot of correlation in your lineup. So... To use this week as an example, again, it's like so simple that um, it doesn't even hardly bear pointing out to, to the tournament player. But I think people still forget it just in the same way that they forget that in baseball, like stacking tends to be a smart thing to do. Um, but let's say this week in football. If you choose to play Russell Wilson, which will be a popular choice, um, paying up for quarterback like that, you need him to be the highest scoring quarterback on the week, most likely, if you're going to have a tournament winning lineup. He can, he can get there in two real ways. Like he can either have an unusual rushing game or much more likely – he uh, has a four TD game, a four passing TD game. If he has a four passing TD game, it's Chris Carson has not been catching a lot of passes this year. It's, it's most likely um, to come from the air. So <clears throat> although it's like stupid simple, you just – uh, play Russell Wilson with Lockett and Metcalf. And then if Wilson does what you need him to do, Lockett and Metcalf almost automatically do what you need them to do. So, so you simplify the parlay that you need to hit. So uh, here's my question. Is uh, <laughs> Pete Carroll, how stubborn is he, Brandon? Because everybody knows this. We all know this. He, by the way, he has learned about air yards. I'm not sure if you heard that. Somebody mentioned air yards to him. And he's like, fast. He's like, what? He just became aware of that concept. So everybody knows that Tampa is a pass funnel. Uh, everybody knows that Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. 
especially when he's ahead. I think uh, you mentioned Russ. He was uh, through the ball five times last game in the second half. He was five for five, but it was only five times because they were ahead. Uh, if you run the ball with Carson uh, at Tampa, it's probably not going to be successful. You're, and you can definitely throw the ball at Tampa. They're also favored by seven. So, in theory, Carroll's going to want to grind this game down, uh, a win in the second half. <sighs> you know, <laughs> do you think Carroll's going to adjust or he's just going to say, screw it, I want to run the ball, and that's it? Like, how stubborn is he, basically, is my question. Um. I think you assume that he does the right thing and you play this slate in a very straightforward way and you have, for me, just zero Carson and uh, an overweight position in Wilson and the pass catchers. So you basically assume that he does what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and you're running it back, I assume, in the same lineup with either Evans or Godwin on the R side? Uh Yes. And that's another form of building correlation in your lineups. It's obvious enough, but you need you need the game to go off, so you, you need someone from the other side, one or two players from the other side. And yeah, this kind of opens up our, our picks for this week, and I want to talk about Jameis as well, too, because I think this is probably, uh, if not the most interesting game in the slate, one of the most interesting games in the slate, and not coincidentally enough, it's the highest total as well. And although you mentioned Godwin, you mentioned Evans, I don't know how to figure out which one's going to have the smash game or not, but since week two, if you just kind of jump, if you pick the right guy between Godwin and Evans, if you said, listen, I'm going to play a Tampa Bay receiver every single week, uh, week two, Godwin, 29 points, week four, 44 points, week five, 34 points, week six, 28, uh, and the other weeks, the ones that are, where Godwin isn't going nuts, Evans put up 48 points in week three, he put up 45 points in, in week eight, uh, he was okay, I guess, he was not great, but 20 points in week six. Uh, Stuart, like, just pick one of these guys on Tampa and it's a 50% chance they're going to go absolutely nuts and, like, be, like, on tournament-winning lineups. Is it that simple? I mean, it's felt like that at times. But, I mean, I do think, like, that – like, they – I just pulled them up now. I mean, they have, like, insane negative, you know, 61% correlation or whatever. And, like, yeah, I mean, I think it makes Tampa a tough team to stack, like, as kind of your primary game stack for that reason alone. Like, I think – you know, we want to find stacks where there is kind of enough volume and just kind of a scheme that's able to support two receivers uh, with our quarterback. And I, I do think, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the approach might be to just like go with the Russell uh, Lockett Metcalf as kind of your primary stack and then just mix around, you know, sprinkling of Godwin and Evans. I mean, it seems like they're both uh, clearly like, at times find themselves in excellent spots and both clearly talented guys. And it almost feels, you know, somewhat random uh, as to who has the big game and who doesn't. But one thing that doesn't feel random is that they don't seem to be able to kind of excel simultaneously. And uh, because of that, like, I, I can't really see a, uh, you know, even though I agree, like, I think Jameis is in a really good spot. Uh, like that's a, that's a guy I'm probably going to want to just single stack um, or, or maybe go like, Godwin Brait or Evans Brait, but uh, yeah, I mean, Jameis Godwin Evans just doesn't feel like, uh, at least from what we've seen so far, it doesn't feel like a very viable uh, combo just given their inability to uh, not coexist, but just you know, succeed uh, in tandem. Yeah, How do we know this, Brandon? How do we know who's, which week it's going to be a Godwin week or an Evans week, or we just kind of split it and say, okay, we're going to run 30% Jameis lineups and half of those 30% lineups, we're going to have half Godwin and half Evans. Is that the approach? 
Yeah, well, that's a gift, right, for tournaments uh, when you have those situations. So I, um, I think you do exactly that, simple as it is. And um, in this case, it's perfect because they're priced about the same, 7200 and 7300 So yeah, I think that's, that's a gift, right? When you, to have that where you tend to have one or the other go off huge. And, and I think this is a week where it would be perfectly reasonable, although they haven't gone off together uh, to, to play both of them together. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's so many spots in, in NFL where like, you love New England running, but New England running historically hasn't worked like that, where if you if the top three options were all priced the same and you just played all three, it would be nice if one of them had an RB1 score, but it, it, their position doesn't work like that. It's, it's actually a, a good situation for tournaments when that happens. Uh, haven't looked at the injury reports. There's a chance that... Uh, Brate and Howard are both out, right? Uh, um, yeah, is that a possibility? Howard, I think, is almost definitely going to be out, but again, Thursday, so not exactly sure. Uh, uh, as far as Brate, yeah, he's questionable as well, too. And there's, is there a third guy? It's gonna be a, I don't know the next guy, man. Min is up, to be honest. Stuart, you got the third guy? Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't it's Leclair, and he's twenty five hundred. So that's that's your other option if you're playing uh, Winston. You you try to. There's a lot of value if you could punt tight end this week. So you run uh, you run God. Godwin in the twenty five hundred tight end, or Evans in the twenty five hundred tight end, and you just you just pray for that five reception, one touchdown game from your twenty five hundred tight ends. So away from that, uh, you know, Seattle Tampa game, Stuart. You know, uh, other quarterbacks that kind of jump out you as far as this week. I, I think the you know the Detroit Oakland game is pretty appealing. I wish it was in a dome. You know, I like the to have my players in a dome, but I think it's still fine out there on the West coast. Uh, certainly Carr and Stafford Stafford throwing a ball much more down the field these days too, which is nice. Certainly appealing as well. Like that a dot, uh, those quarterbacks are appealing as well. Uh, is there anybody else that kind of jumps off the board? We're seeing the cheapest quarterback. I think we see in the entire season starting for Denver this year, a person I was not aware of until like three or four days ago, Brandon Allen will be throwing footballs uh, to uh, players in uniforms. Uh, he's 4.1 K on DK and, in a week where we're kind of pinching pennies, I don't know. I, I can't – that's my best endorsement. Uh, what do we have here as far as the other quarterbacks, Stuart? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about uh, this Denver quarterback. I mean, Cleveland is, I think, a, a team that – but if you uh, – Stafford has been, has been rolling lately, and Oakland uh, in our DVP app is showing up as, uh, like, the most uh, kind of uh, attackable in terms of a fancy point per attempt uh, defense against the quarterback. And uh, we also have like a air, uh, air yards projection tool, uh, kind of a team level that I think we've shown in the past. And I, I like looking at it a lot. Uh, Detroit, I believe at the moment is second behind uh, Jamison Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, I just wish he was priced a little lower. I mean, six, eight uh, feels pretty high for Nope, I'm not, not sure if hung on the team this career, but uh... 
Brandon, are you hearing Stuart? He's kind of coming in and out um, for me. Uh, in and out, but it's it's not terrible. Okay, I, so I wasn't sure if that was a connection on my uh, end or not. No, no, no. I think I think it's all right. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a spotty connection, okay. but it's not too bad. But um, yeah, D- D- Detroit and Stafford I mean, appear to be in good spots. Uh, um, yeah, I just wish Stafford was cheaper. I mean, six uh, does feel pretty high for him. Uh, he's a guy who. Uh, kind of over long form isn't necessarily someone who's going to be like living in the 20 fantasy point range. Um, I think he's a very strong tournament play um, and Detroit's kind of these offices where we have a presence. It's around a tertiary uh, stacking option uh, around one of those kind of two elite receivers or kind of top, top tier receivers. Um, Derek Carr, I like a lot. I mean, I think uh, he, he, to me, is popping as one of the uh, sub-six quarterbacks that uh, I think could could pay off his value uh, pretty well. I don't know that it's the best, uh, like, double-stacking environment for him. Uh, Tyrell, like, Tyrell and Waller are kind of his two best targets, but they, similar to, uh, to like, Evans Godwin, you know, just don't seem to do super well in tandem. Um but I think from a cash game standpoint, he, he could allow you know, getting a, a quarterback at five, five could allow you to get up to one of those elite running backs you like, or really, uh, you know, pay up at a, at a for a couple of receiver spots. So uh, he, he's a guy that I'm, I'm kind of interested in uh, from a cash game standpoint, for sure. Yeah. Brandon, feel free to add another quarterback or two or any, any thoughts you want to, you know, knock on as far as the, the Detroit game there with, with Stafford and, and Carr as well, or, if you want, open up the uh, the running back position. So I'm keeping the tournaments uh, tournament quarterbacks really tight this week. Um, I'll be on Stafford, Trubisky, Winston, and Carr. That's just sort of where I'm going, keeping it very simple. Um, Rivers may be also viable. Uh, might have a sprinkling of him, but that's that's pretty much all I'm doing. And then running back, uh, relative to other weeks, I'm usually a little all over the map, but I'm going to be even more all over the map this week. I can just see myself really sprinkling it around. For me, uh, for me, this is the week more than any other week so far that. You're kidding yourself if you think that you can say with high probability that a guy is going to be uh, going to be a top three running back on the week. I think it's there's just a lot of variance this week in who it is, and so you really want to sprinkle it around, and you have to pay a lot of attention to the field size that you're trying to attack. So. For me personally, the only time that I would play McCaffrey is if it's heads up, although I haven't looked in full detail at heads up uh, lineup construction. Um, but even then, heads up three-way, it's that's the only time I'm using Cook or McCaffrey, and it's probably Cook. Um, for medium field tournaments, say 300 people, uh, I'm going to be typically uh, in the mid-range, probably like Jalen Samuels and one other guy. 
maybe Chubb, maybe uh, Gordon, maybe Aaron Jones if he's healthy. Um, and then if it's a if it's millionaire maker, um, I'll probably have a lot of chalk. Like I'll probably have maybe 75% Jalen Samuels paired with one other punt. Like this might be the last week ever that you can play Adrian Peterson as a punt. Just wish for that two touchdown performance. Um, I think Damian Williams is a viable punt. Um, Mark Walton, this is, this is a great week to just play two min price, nearly min price running backs. That's, I think that's the best play in the big field tournaments. And then with 30% of your lineups, just pass up on the Jalen Samuels equity and play two cheap running back play like Mark Walton with Damian Williams. And then hope Jalen has a, a nine fantasy point game and, and those two guys do well. So that's pretty much my play. I think you should you should spread around the running back uh, allocations quite a bit this week. Thursday night, so it's super, super early as far as the ownership projections, and lots can change. Uh, the ownership projections are fluid all the way up the lock, uh, Brandon. But uh, we have Samuels right now on DK's projection. You want to guess? or is, what, would, what would you guess it would be? The assumption uh, is that it's his backfield and everybody else is injured, basically, as of right now. What uh, what tournament is this for, Millionaire Maker? I think it's uh, it's, it's for a large field GPP contest, like a general large field GPP contest. Which is the Millionaire Maker, I suppose, would uh, would um, work for that. This is the this is the first like super clear cut, <laughs> insane chalk that we've had. So seventy. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big number. We're seeing forty two percent right now, but like. If nothing else changes in this slate, it, it's it's going to be hard not to play him. And again, this is under the assumption that he's the last man standing for Pittsburgh. That Connor is going to be out as well, too. I believe he missed practice once again today on Thursday. It's not looking positive for him to play. And you know, stay tuned; these things are fluid. But if Samuels is the the go to guy there for Pittsburgh, and he's four K on DK, and there's not a lot of ton of value. And you mentioned Mark Walton. Does he fit in on your like your narrative? The Dolphins are actively trying to lose, like. We don't think he's good, right? So maybe they play him more. Not that they have, you know, Balazs. Who knows if he's good or not either, <laughs> you know? Um, that Walton's been dominating Balazs in terms of recent snaps. Uh, I think Walton yeah. will be the guy. I think Walton is a good play. I was half messing around when I said they were trying to lose. It was just uh, <laughs> my own frustration rooting for the Dolphins and – Watching the betting odds, I was amazed at how on point they were. Um, and then uh, you saw the game, so the plays were not good. Uh, the outcomes were not good. Um, but I think Mark Walton is a is a strong play. And I'm also uh, higher than average on Le'Veon Bell this week. Um I'll have no Carson, but I'll have like probably a little bit more Le'Veon Bell than the field. I he's probably, not, he's I not just Josh, about that Josh price. Jacobs will be popular, but I won't have Josh Jacobs. He did well for me a few weeks ago, but um, I think 
I'm going to play that game as an air it out and all the stacks are going to be air yard stacks and playing for that really high total. And uh, Jacobs, I don't think he has the upside you need at 6,500. I think it's much more likely that the winning tournaments are going to have like two cheap QBs. Um, And he's not your every down back. He's more like 50 to 60% of snaps. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see that getting there this week in a big field. I'm curious what the charge are going to do with the new, uh, the OC was replaced. You mentioned, you mentioned being a Dolphin. Uh, this is what I'm wondering when they were going for the win, the two point conversion, were you rooting for them to connect on that? Because that seemed like a play call that was designed not to be successful <laughs> at the buzzer. <laughs> couple weeks back <laughs> yeah i didn't see that game so i can't say <laughs> fair enough and you mentioned Le'Veon bell and it's like there's a big dolphins tax here like he's not justified the price they're asking for basically all season or since like week one or week two uh, not necessarily his fault but like the production's not necessarily been there you know obviously they've been without their quarterback as well too and they've had to they've been some tough matchups facing i guess new england twice buffalo as well uh Stewart, jump in here as far as your running backs this week who are we looking at yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm inclined, uh, and, and I, I come from you know I do mostly cash games. I mean, I'm inclined to work to try to get up some Caffrey uh, on a slate where there's so much uncertainty uh, with some of these running backs. I mean, Carson's a guy I've been like really leaning on through most of the season, and I just think he's in a spot where I'm just really not that interested in playing him. Uh, it's just a tough matchup, and um, so yeah, I I, I think uh, I'll probably split kind of between like a high end guy. Uh, like McCaffrey, uh, who I prefer a little more than Dalvin Cook. Um, and, yeah, then kind of settling down in the mid-range, uh, you know, Jalen Samuels. Uh, Jalen Samuels' value opens up. Uh, he's a guy, you know, I think just at 400. I think it's, it's pretty difficult for him to fail. Uh, Indy's kind of a middling match. Um, yeah, I think Melvin Gordon's interesting. Uh, you know, Green Bay is, is actually another defense that, you know, can be had on the ground by running backs. Um, so 5,000, uh, you know, even though, I mean, I think Eckler is just a far superior, you know, running back at this point, like just that, you know, Gordon's so cheap and, uh, you know, the, the, the volume is there and uh, you know, I think he's got a strong matchup. So um, I'm intrigued by Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, he, he's just going to do next to nothing for you in the passing game, but uh you know, Tennessee is, is going to be a very run-heavy team if they can kind of control uh, the game script the way they would like to. Carolina is just a, a team that's really given, been giving up a lot of uh, fantasy value. And he, if he find the end zone a couple, uh, at least once and, and even a couple. Dean, did you uh, watch Ty Johnson last week? Way. I, I caught some of it, but I mostly just watched Red Zone, and I know like they, they ran out, what, four running backs they addressed that week. So it was like I moved off them basically almost 100%. I, I had a sprinkle just in case, but uh, I just wasn't buying it. I didn't think he was the workhorse type anyway. I thought you're lucky if you get like maybe 12 to 15 touches, and I just uh, I, I wasn't in on it. So I, I was happy to be uh, – I don't know how chalky he ended up being. I feel like some people probably moved off them. Edwards was the guy I had for Arizona because there was only two running backs. Unfortunately, he got hurt, but uh, that's just playing results, I suppose. Were you in on him, or what, what was your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I was in. 
Um, um, but unfortunately, I didn't see the game. So I have no eyeball test to go with, and uh, I don't know what to do this week. Probably, I mean, at most, you'd play him a few percent, right? But yeah, I mean, Carson's dinged for what it's worth, but like, I just, I just don't know how much work Johnson's going to get even then. But, um, you know, I suppose in a tournament, and he's not even that cheap. 4.9K is not just great price. Um, you know, we talk about if you, if you believe defenses don't matter. Like, I don't know. Some people believe that. Some people don't. And that's kind of a great conversation, too. Uh, Montgomery had 27 carries last week. Uh, of course, you don't necessarily want to run the ball against Philadelphia. Uh, not all touches are created equal. But the, if you're going to give me 20 touches for 5.2K, 20 might be conservative. I think he's kind of sort of somewhat interesting, if nothing else, in tournaments. But at, on this week specifically, again, because there's not a lot popping for me. What about uh, what about receivers, Brandon? Are we are we spending up? We talked. We already touched on the Tampa guys. Talked about the Seattle guys. Uh, what else is jumping out for you as far as the receivers? Um, I think you are going to find most of your value in that like mid tier, like the Seattle receivers and. <clears throat> and then even cheaper, like your Carolina receivers. Um, I think you have a lot of interesting tournament guys with some upside, like Tyrell Williams. Um, we mentioned you could play Godwin or Evans. Uh, I think Jarvis Landry, not traditionally an upside guy, but I think at the price tag – he, he could flash some good upside. Um, Keenan Allen, I think, uh, is a strong play. Watkins, I'm reading this line for Casey in Minnesota saying that Mahomes is out. Uh, 22 to 19, I, I just think he's probably out. Um mm-hmm. But still, Watkins at 4,900 has, has your tournament upside. Um, Juju is a strong tournament play. Uh, Preston Williams at 4,200. Like, if Miami is keeping that game close, it's with Preston Williams, and he's probably – He's probably going to see uh, like double-digit targets. He's got a lot of tournament upside, I think. Um, and and um, yeah, I think your cash game construction is, as Stuart was saying, because of the Jalen Samuels value. It's it's Jalen and McCaffrey at running back and. If you're going to do a three uh, running back build, it's Jalen McCaffrey, Chubb, or Jalen McCaffrey. I I wouldn't hate Henry, but some maybe Jalen McCaffrey, Walton, or Jalen McCaffrey, Chubb, and then at wide receiver, you're really populating those those cheap value wide receivers. I w- I don't mind the cash game construction with Wilson, Metcalf, and Lockett. And then, uh, and then play maybe DJ Moore, and then that's kind of 
that's kind of it. Tight end, there's there are some options that are close together in value. You mentioned Trubisky. You prefer him with Miller, uh, Gabriel, Robinson, two of those three? Um, I, uh, I think if you're doing a midfield tournament, you're okay um, playing him alone. Like if you're playing a 300-person tournament, you're okay just playing naked Trubisky and then going value the rest of the way. If, if, um, if you're playing a large field tournament, like 10,000 or more, just pick any two. Trubisky plus, plus any two catchers. Uh, chime in here, Stuart, as far as your, uh, your receivers of choice. And, yeah, from the cash game perspective, uh, do you have money to spend up on one big receiver or is it mostly guys in the mid-tier? I mean, the way I've been building so far, I don't think that's the case. I have to go back and kind of check the line I'm currently at. But, um, yeah, Brandon's touched on some guys that I'm intrigued by. I mean, Tyra Williams, uh, when healthy, has been uh, pretty solid, seems to have a good uh, a good floor uh, as a receiver. And, I mean, 5'9 is a, a little more than kind of you would ideally like to pay for him. But, I mean, it's a slate where just – value a receiver hasn't been opening up in a huge way and uh, you might have to spend on some guys who you would prefer to pay, pay a little less for um yeah i mean preston williams i'm intrigued by uh you know the jets are kind of like an eagle's light i mean they're they're a team that really gets burned by receivers and kind of funnels uh funnels a lot of their targets and air yards to wide receiver and uh do have some concerns with kind of the pace of that game, like both, uh, or well, you know, New York, uh, can slow the game down a bit, uh, which, which may, which might limit, uh, Williams upside, but, uh, at four, two, I mean, I think he, he's nicely priced and could allow you to get up to a big running back like McCaffrey could allow you to spend up at quarterback if that's the route you want to go. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Receiver is looking a little a little weird this week, uh, and we, we've touched on the Seattle guys, but I mean, like uh, Metcalf is in you know good good spot and getting a lot of usage. Uh, but it, you know, it's weird in cash like these Seattle guys. Uh, Wilson too, like you know, Seattle can be so run heavy if if that's kind of the route they choose to go. But it does feel like these guys, um, you know, even they might like median project. Percentile production uh, can be quite low. I mean, if if, if Seattle jumps out big, uh, th- there's really not a whole lot of upside there. Um, or I'm sorry, there, there's 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 a low floor. There's a uh, you know there's there's good upside if uh, you know Tampa Bay can keep it close because that passing attack is really efficient. Uh, you know when they do pass. Um, yeah, Carolina guys are priced down uh, a good bit. I don't think it's like an incredible matchup against Tennessee, and Tennessee will probably try to slow uh, you know slow the game down a good deal but uh the, the price tag on dj Moore and curtis samuel is hard to ignore um so they're, they're i think in my cash consideration for sure and sp- to Stewart's point um this is a slate more than any other probably this year where median projections are uh kind of irrelevant for good tournament construction like everyone focuses on median construction and a lot of our founding idea at ASA is for tournaments, correlations and distributions are more important than median uh, outcomes. And so much of the focus around the industry is projecting median 
fantasy performance and and expected fantasy points per salary dollar and stuff like that. We can understand why that's true. It's like a good it's it's just a good simple way to think about things. But um, it's kind of stupid to look at things in that way when you're trying to win tournaments with thousands of people. It, it just is. So you're you're much better off going with uh, with our data that's focused on distributions and, and correlations because the problem with median projections is that it will often get you on a lineup that is high equity. Like each individual player has a nice price, but as a, as a whole, the package is um, low upside. And at an extreme, you can put together a lineup that has. Uh, high expected fantasy points, but actually has 0% access to the type of score that's going to win a millionaire maker or even a wildcat. So um, just that's the long ASA plug. But this week is a week where it's especially important to look at distributions. Um, At wide receiver, you have a lot of guys that are projecting well in terms of – fantasy points per dollar, but have low probability of being in in the tournament lineup. Like I would say Alshon Jeffrey, for instance, good projection. And he's a high upside guy, a hugely talented guy, but against this Chicago defense, I really don't see the massive upside. Um, Beasley is your player, is is a player that will project well. I mean, I could see him being in a, tournament winning lineup this week if ever there was a week but um for me he'd be fairly low likelihood i even say the carolina guys the carolina receivers their price is good but i don't really see the tournament winning upside um i think it's important this week to look at some of the low equity guys that could be um really decisive for for tournaments Um, so for instance, like Galladay is probably the most likely player to break the slate, but he's very low value, um, because his price is unusually high this week. He's really priced up for the matchup, but he's a great tournament play, even though the 7,700 price tag makes him low equity. Um, he's a great tournament play because he, he is, in my opinion, the most likely guy to, to like break the slate, to like have a 45-point game or whatever. Um, and so I think if you were looking at equities, like you would have no Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones – and that would be a massive mistake from a tournament construction standpoint. You definitely want one of those guys uh, in your lineup. And like you want some juju exposure. Um, you, you, want, uh, you want some upside guys that, uh, <clears throat> that maybe – have low equity, but are, but are your great tournament plays. This is especially true considering that you're going to have Jalen Samuels so owned and that's going to be one spot kind of locked up. And then I think you're going to have some popular spots at receiver as well, like the Seattle guys. So um, 
you really you really want to uh, differentiate a wide receiver and try to pick some of those upside guys. Yeah, Galladay, by the way, $200 more. Uh, you mentioned the Seattle receivers, $200 more than Lockett. Lockett, current projection as far as the ownership at 15%. We're seeing Galladay at 11%. It's funny you mentioned Beasley, by the way, because Beasley, and you're talking about the, uh, like the mean uh, ownership projections that like, aren't guys that necessarily get you to the top, but like maybe you can min-cash. Beasley's one of those guys that pops all the time. I look at projections around the, you know, around the industry, and I don't necessarily automatically follow them, but they're always interesting and of note. And always it's like, oh, there's Beasley. You can play Beasley. And I never want to play Beasley. Who wants, nobody's ever waking up in the morning and say, oh, I can't wait to play Cole Beasley today and get my six catches for 42 yards, and maybe he falls into the end zone. Uh, Stuart, we got to step aside in just a minute here. So we didn't really touch on tight ends, just kind of a – well, you know, a few kind of sprinkled into the conversation. Is there anybody sort of jumping out for you, maybe from a cash game perspective? Do we have the funds to spend all the way up? We punt them once again with the you know, the Johnny Smith of the world. What are you looking at here as far as that ends? Yeah, I'm going to stay away from Waller. I'm seeing him at the system I'm looking at as top kind of value projected tight end. But, uh, I mean, I wasn't that into Waller last week with the return of Ty- Tyro Williams. And, I mean, same kind of thing going this week. And uh, it's six, you know, his price has only gone up. So, that's probably not where I'm going to be. I mean, the, the uh, Philadelphia guys to me are both intriguing. Uh, Dallas Kader, it's gotten kind of, uh, you know, an expanded role that Philadelphia has been going with this two tight end set a little more often. And uh, yeah, Chicago is an interesting team against tight end. Like they actually funnel a lot of their uh, targets and air yards to tight end. And I know neither Ertz nor Kader are like downfield type guys, but uh, you know, in general, Chicago is kind of funneling, you know, volume to tight end but they're also pretty efficient at like limiting a tight end uh for for what it's worth but yeah i mean Gadert at 3-1 uh super cheap and allows you to kind of pay up at running back two and uh you know Ertz is down to 4-7 i mean that's a really cheap price for him uh you know he at time be like a 10 10 catch of a tight end and at 4-7 i think uh not like a prototype. He's got you know a chance to get there and really be a big guy. Brandon, we are up against the clock, but uh, I do want to hear your thoughts as far as tight ends. Um, so I'm uh, maybe a little bit more comfortable with Waller than uh, Stewart is. Um, I think. There are some constructions, especially if you go cheap at, at your two running back positions where he, he can fit in comfortably, and I think it's a good play. Um, he uh, is very likely to have a top three sort of tight end uh, performance. So I think um, I prefer probably the cheaper tight ends in the millionaire maker, but say a 300 person field. I, I like the constructions with Waller. Um, I agree on the Philly guys. I think those are strong plays. Um, Tampa Bay, if injuries allow us to have it down to one guy, I think that would be, that would be a fine play. Uh, Greg Olson is a low upside guy, but I think he's in the mix as just one of the guys that could be tight end one this week. Um, I think, uh, either Doyle or Ebron, that's sort of millionaire maker only, uh, or, uh, I think it's a good play because historically, like one of those guys, uh, has 
managed to get there and they're both individually quite talented. Um, TJ Hawkinson was a guy who rated okay for like season long and some smart people were on him and then he's been bad. And um, I think this is a week where he could have some tournament upside. I'd be willing to, to go there. Um, <clears throat> without Mahomes, you could still pay up for Kelsey on talent. He's got a decent chance of being wide receiver one. You could pay up for Henry on talent. Um, Jimmy Graham's going to rate very low on equity, but again, he has wide receiver. I mean, he has tight end one upside. Uh, at this stage in his career, it's sort of end zone upside, but I could I, I could see like a two touchdown game from Jimmy Graham as a possibility. Uh, so I think he's on the radar, even though he looks he looks bad in projection systems. Um, that's about it. Yeah, I'm a I'm old enough to remember when T.J. Hawkinson was the heir apparent to, to Gronkowski after Week One. You guys remember that? Uh, and there's certainly some skill there. There's a reason why he was uh, drafted so highly. But obviously, he's kind of sputtered off a bit too. But uh, certainly looks athletic out there, and uh, you know, worthy of a roster spot against Oakland as well. And he's fairly cheap too. Uh, you can always get there with just one play as far as the tight end. Uh, we do have to step aside and get out of here. It's been fun, a great show here. Obviously, uh, Brandon, I look forward to. We're going to be hanging out in the Clevelander apparently in Miami. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna tell DraftKings that you know we're gonna go old school. Everyone's gonna be in the in the room. It's gonna be. Stewart hasn't said whether he's interested in joining us. This, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's open invitation. I I, I didn't win the seats uh, recently, so there we go. Congratulations on that. Uh, Stuart, tell the people one last time as far as ASA before we get out of here. Yeah, I mean, you can find us at bandsportsanalytics.com or search for us on Twitter. Uh, trying to churn out some some good football content uh, and tools. I know for me, that's kind of my focus is building uh, you know, dynamic tools for you guys. So, uh, yeah, you can find us there. Uh, also working on basketball stuff, football, uh, golf as well. Um, but yeah, it's a football show and, uh, we're, we're still trying to work on, uh, football to, tools before, uh, the season winds down. So check us out there. For Stuart Gibson, uh, Brandon Adams, I'm Dean. Good luck week nine. We're out of here. Holler. Oh.